Okay, so Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that that you would speak to us this morning uh, from your word. We we know that your word is true, that it's alive, and uh, we open our hearts to you and we say, if there are are things that you want to say to us today. Just speak into our hearts. If there are things that you want to teach us, if there's a place that you want to take us, uh, we want to say yes to you today. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. Uh, so I, I think I've told you before that when I, when I growing up in a small town in North Alabama, we used to go to this place that it, it was a country club to us. It was a nine-hole golf course and a small pool. But, you know, in the small town where we live, that's, that's considered a country club. And so we went there. My mom would take us in the mornings. And when I was young, I remember the older kids, there, there was a rope across the middle of the pool that separated the deep end from the shallow end. You've seen it. And I'm standing in the shallow end, and I'm looking out over the rope at, at the deep end of the pool. And it always seemed to me that the kids in the deep end of the pool were having more fun than the kids in the shallow end of the pool. There was a reason for that. MJ, do you know what the reason was? They were. It looked like they were having more fun because they were having more fun. And the lesson in that is that we were created for the deep end. We were created for the deep end of the pool. A lot of Christians live their lives just in the shallow. Uh, We want to play it safe. We want to stay in in the shallow end. We want to just live on the surface, but the call of God for us has always been to come into the deep end. Uh, A.W. Tozer said that people are fascinated with talk of the deeper life because the average Christian life is tragically shallow. And uh, if you go with Jesus, though, if if you choose to say yes to him on a regular basis, on a consistent basis, he will beckon you into the deep end of the pool. So we're going to walk through this, uh, Luke 5, 1 through 11, and, and see uh, what we see here. Um, the, the first key in this passage is 
really just go where Jesus says go. Uh, go where Jesus says go. Peter argues a little bit with Jesus, and he I don't know the reasons for his arguing. Maybe it's because he's tired. Uh, it says in the passage that they fished all night. Maybe he's tired. Uh, maybe he's frustrated because it says not only did they fish all night, they didn't catch anything. And so maybe it's that. Maybe it's one of those. Maybe it's both of those. Maybe uh, he just thinks he knows more about fishing than Jesus does. I mean, he's a professional fisherman, and maybe he's wanting to say to Jesus, this really isn't the best time to fish, and if we go out there now, we won't catch anything. And so it could be any of those things, and the truth is that for us, a lot of times we resist the invitation of God for the very same reason. Sometimes we don't go where God is beckoning us to go because we're tired, and sometimes we don't go because we've, we're disappointed. Maybe we've tried that before, and it didn't work the way we thought it was going to work or the way we wanted it to work, and so this time we're just going to say, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. Maybe it's just not going uh, as quickly or going the way we wanted it to go. Or maybe, maybe we think that we know better what's good for us than he does. Now, if we really think about it, we would never say that theologically, but sometimes we act that way, and sometimes we even say things that may betray uh, that we really think that way. Like, for instance, have you ever said, that's just not the kind of person I am? Well, maybe that's not the kind of person you are because every time you've been asked to go there, you've said no. And maybe it's not just that you were created to be that kind of person. Maybe you've just refused to be anything other than that kind of person. And so God is calling us sometimes to do something different and to go a little deeper. Uh, we cannot know the deep things of God until we learn to be obedient. If you want to see the big things, you have to learn to be obedient in the small things. So the first thing that we see in the story is Jesus and Peter having a discussion about where they're going to fish or when they're going to fish. And Peter says, no, at first this is not a great idea. But then he says, but because you say to, I will. And really that's the only reason you need for obedience. Uh, you don't have to rationalize it. You don't have to figure it out. Uh, and that's where Peter lands. Peter says, Jesus I don't know that this is the best time. We fished all night. We didn't catch anything. I'm not sure we'll catch anything now, but if you say to go, we'll go. And that's where all of us as believers need to land, is in that place of obedience. We don't have to understand it. We just need to do what he says. Now, if you choose obedience, Jesus will take you into deep places. The call of his of his on your life is deep, intimate relationship. Not superficial, not surface, but a deep, intimate relationship is what he desires for you and for me. If you say yes to that, then the fruit of your life will spill over into others. So what happens is, Peter says yes, they go out, they throw the nets out, and they don't only catch enough fish for their boat. They catch so many fish that their boat is sinking and they have to call other boats. And so they're calling their partners, they're calling their friends, bring your boats over, we've got more fish than we need. And, and the lesson in that is that if you choose obedience, 
God will bring fruit in your life, and it won't be just fruit for you. There will be fruit for all of those around you. Now, here's the thing that we have to make note of. Um, if you say yes, God will produce fruit that will affect and impact those around you. If you say no, guess what? That also impacts and has effect on those around you. Uh, and so the truth is, for all of us, you, you never sin in a vacuum, and you never obey in a vacuum. Uh, we're called to be a part of community. We're, we're called to be connected. We're not called to walk alone or live alone. And so because of that, every time you obey or every time you disobey, it's going to have an impact on other people. The third thing that's going to happen, so if you say yes, he's going to call you into a deep place. If you say yes, he's going to produce fruit in your life. If you say yes, more than likely, at some point in the journey, your nets are going to break. We don't really like nets breaking. We, we don't love that. Uh, we like life to be nice and comfortable and, you know, organized, tied up in a bow, neat, right? Uh, we like only the things that we expect to happen. I see you. <laughs> right? Am I right? Yeah. So at some point in your life of obedience, your nets could break. Uh, if you choose to go deep with Jesus, there may be some times when things just feel messy. Uh, everything is not, you know, exactly lined up in order. There's uh, one of my favorite stories is when Jesus goes to the tomb of, a Laz of Lazarus. And, you know, he's called, he's told that, J that Lazarus is sick, and he waits a few days, and then he goes. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus is dead. And if you read that story in the King James, this is just one of those stories. I think Psalm 23, you need to re read in the, in the King James. And this story, you need to read in the King James. Because it says, when he says, oh, you know, roll, open up the grave, they say to him, Lord, by now his body stinketh. And you just can't say that better. <laughs> and so, the lesson though in that, Jesus says, he calls him out, and, and here's the lesson in that. Number one, Jesus knows that he's going to be alive and that he's not going to stink. But number two, Jesus really isn't afraid of things that stink. He's just really not. He, he's not nearly as, as afraid of messes and stinks as we are. Uh, we're, we're just scared to death that, that we're going to, you know, something's going to get a little bit out of order and a little, little messy. He, he really is not concerned so much with that you know he, that's why he's able to go into a temple and just start turning over tables and spilling things on the floor I mean I, I read that and I'm just worried who's going to pick all that stuff up you know is, has that assignment been made uh, I, I hate clutter and I read that passage and I'm, all I can see is the clutter uh, we still have glitter here on the floor from one of our prayer nights I think where's Kim Smith <laughs> so there are messes that bother us that don't bother him, okay? And if you call, if you follow, if, he, if you say yes, he's going to take you into some places that, that may feel a little bit uncomfortable. If you like predictable and controllable 
then the deep end may not be for you. It may not. Um, as you continue to say yes to him, you'll see, you, you will feel resistance, uh, you will be targeted, and you will be tested. Here's what you have to know about those three things. The resistance that you feel will, is not from God. Uh, the targeting that you feel is not from God. The testing that you feel is from God. Because he wants to grow us. And so he will take us through some difficult things in order to test us, to grow us, to stretch us. And it's okay. We need to be good with that. Now, here, here's the really good part. So say yes, he takes you into the deep place. You say yes, he produces fruit in your life that's enough for others. Uh, you say yes, he takes you into the place where nets start to stretch and maybe nets start to break. Uh, but also, when you say yes and go into the deep places with him, you will see him more clearly than you've ever seen him. Uh, Peter looks at Jesus when all this has happened and the fish have been caught and the, and the boats are about to sink and they're sharing with others, the nets are breaking and Peter looks at Jesus and says, you need to get away from me because you are holy and I'm not. So Peter, who's been traveling with Jesus, kind of knows Jesus. He sees him more clearly in that moment than he's ever seen him before. There's just a revelation that comes, and he sees Jesus, and he understands that this is no normal man, uh, and it's shocking to him. And, and one of the reasons that it's so shocking is that not only does Peter see Jesus more clearly than he's ever seen Jesus, Peter also sees Peter more clearly than he's ever seen Peter. And he recognizes that there's a difference there's a big difference between Jesus and Peter. And I, and I would say this, that in the deep end, uh, you will see Jesus and you will see yourself. And you will have to come to grips with the fact that he is better than you thought. You are probably worse than you thought. And he wants you and loves you more than you thought. Do you get that? He's better than you thought. You're probably worse than you thought. He loves you and wants you more than you thought. Jesus says, uh, don't be afraid. So there's a gap. There's a gap between who Jesus is and who we are, and it's frightening. But the thing that we rest in and stand on and believe is that Jesus bridges the gap between who he is and who we are. That is not a gap that you are called to build a bridge for. He builds the bridge, and the bridge is the cross. There is a gap. Jesus bridges the gap. Now, the last thing that happens in this passage is Jesus looks at Peter and the others, and he says, from now on, you will catch men. You're going to fish for men. Now, I would give you a chance right now to just leave and go home because I'm about to put you in small groups. And I know that for some of you, you might feel like you have to go to the restroom right now and you're never coming back. 
but for others of you, you really like this. And so I just, you know, my, what I need to say to you is that if you're here visiting and you absolutely love this, we do it all the time. If you're here visiting and you hate this, we've never done it before. We'll never do it again. <clears throat> so that's just, <laughs> we're going to get into small groups, okay? Because I want to talk about assignment. Here, here's the assignment. God has an assignment for you that may be a very specific call for your life. But that's not what we want you to talk about today. I know you'd love to talk about that, and maybe we'll have a day where you get to talk about that. But today, what we want to talk about is what is God's assignment for the church? Now, I'm going to tell you what the assignment is, okay? The assignment for the church is the same for, for all churches. It's to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. We're called to make disciples. Now, if you're going to make disciples, you have to find them. You have to gather them, and, and you have to train and equip them, okay? So we're going to talk about three things today, and in your small groups, these are the things I want you to talk about. Finding, inviting, and receiving. How do you find the loss? Let me, let me just push pause right there before I go further with that. Let me say, we've talked about this before, but I just want to remind you, 96% of church growth in America is transfer growth, which means just people going from one church to another. Guess what kind of growth that is? It's not growth. <laughs> it's not. And so 96% of what we call growth is not even growth. And so if a church is built and positions itself on just having a, you know, a, a cool thing that other churches, people want to come to, that's not advancing the kingdom. And so we want to be intentional about reaching the lost, reaching the unchurched. And so that's what I want you to talk about today. Number one, how do you find the unchurched? Number two, how do you invite them? And not just invite them to church, but how do you invite them to Jesus? Okay? And then how do you receive them? And, and in the receiving context, I mean, we're talking today about Riverstone, okay? So this, you know, this have, may have some implications for you personally, but I want you to think of this in the context of Riverstone. How do we find them? How do we invite them? And how do we receive them? And so the receiving is, you know, like if, if next week, you know, 400 unchurched people showed up, what would you do? How, would, how do we receive them? What if it's just four? How do you receive them? What if maybe it's just one? How do you receive them? So how do you find them? How do you invite them? How do you receive them? Okay, have you had enough time to mentally prepare yourself for small groups? Okay, so four or six. And just do that real quickly. Get in groups of four or six, and then I'll tell you uh, how to proceed from there. Okay, so...
Look at all those people going out the back. All right, so here we go. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do with this. You're in your small group. You know what you want to talk about. Here's the only other instruction. If you want to appoint a leader, you can appoint a leader, uh, or you can just volunteer to be the leader. Or, but, but here's the thing that you need to be careful of. I, I want every, this works best if everyone participates, okay? And that means that no one can dominate, okay? You understand what I'm saying? So say what you want to say, but don't, don't go on and on and on. Give everybody a chance. Because we're going to be able to do this for about 10 minutes. Okay? So you're going to have about 10 minutes to talk, and then I'm going to tell you one more thing to do uh, with what you've talked about. Okay? Ready? Go. Okay. So I'm sure that in a room like this, the level of intelligence in this room, right, the level of creativity and just the spiritual fervor uh, that you've had amazing ideas. Here's what I want you to do with your ideas. Um, I want you to email me right there. <laughs> and I want you to email, email me all of your great ideas. Okay, if you think that your group had a good idea, this should be talked about, examined, prayed through, done. You send me the email. And I promise you we will do something with it. I'm not promising you we will do what you say, but we will do something. Uh, it may be that we talk about it and decide that it needs more discussion. Or it may be that we need to call you and put you in charge of it. So be careful. Okay? All right. But please do, e email me and just give me your ideas because we, you know, we want to get better at finding and inviting and receiving. Uh, especially, I think, I, I want us to get better at receiving uh, because uh, we can find and invite. If we don't treat people well when they come, it's kind of a self-defeating thing. All right? So... Uh, we're going to go back now into worship for a minute, and we're going to have open up the front for prayer. I want to invite our teams to come. And if you would say today that, that, that you're one of those people that maybe you've been hesitant about, you know, you feel like God has called you places, but you've been a little nervous about that, even when it just comes to your own relationship with God, that you're, you've, you've kind of been more this than this. Uh, I want to just encourage you to, to come today and let us pray for you. Um, God didn't call any of us to follow him at a distance. Uh, he, he invites us into a place of intimacy. He wants us to know him, and, and he wants us to be known by him. And, uh, and that's, a, that's an intimate thing. It's not something that's supposed to be done from far away. And so I want to encourage you to uh, if that's something you struggle with or, or simply would want more of, then I encourage you to come and receive prayer today. Okay, let me pray. Sean is going to lead us in some worship, and uh, you can come, and these wonderful people will pray for you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for today, and just thank you for the way that you speak and the way that you move. Thank you that it doesn't always look the same. 
So we, we just want to embrace uh, the difference to, of today. And uh, if there are things that you want to say and do as we finish this service this morning and we open ourselves to you and we say, yes, have your way here. In Jesus' name, amen.